I am Emily Lyons. In 2011, without a high school degree and with no money to my name, I decided to start my own business. Since then, I've built several multi-million dollar companies and I don't plan on stopping. Being a businesswoman, CEO, serial entrepreneur, survivor, and general life enthusiast, I'm endlessly jazzed by the business of life, especially the stories of extraordinary people I've had the privilege to meet along my own improbable journey to success. I don't think it's fair to keep that privilege to myself, and I think you deserve to be utterly lifted and shifted by these people too. All inspiring people are inspired people, so get ready to be inspired. All right, guys. I think we all know that it is important that we start to do our part towards building a more sustainable future. We see it in the news daily, but sometimes it takes really seeing it up close for it to affect us. And that is what happened to my guest today. So I am chatting with entrepreneur Amy Hall. Now, Amy was on vacation when she volunteered with sharks. Now, she experienced something that ultimately led her on the path to entrepreneurship. Amy is now the founder and CEO of Goldilocks, which is a very popular eco-friendly alternative to plastic wrap. So Amy is sharing not only her entrepreneurial journey with me, but some great tips on how we can all incorporate sustainability into our everyday lives and our businesses. So tune in and I want to know what you think about this episode. DM me, tweet at me. I hope you enjoy it. And if you do, please share it with a friend. Today, I'm joined by Amy Hall. Amy, welcome. Thanks so much for having me. It is so great to get to chat with you because I love your company. But uh, if anybody is not familiar with you, would you just give us a little intro on who you are and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So my name's Amy, as you said, and I'm the owner of Goldilocks Wraps. It's a company that makes beeswax wraps, which are, in short, an eco-friendly alternative to saran wrap. Mm-hmm. So tell us, like, how did this idea come to be? So it's an interest. I think it's an interesting story. Hopefully you also find it interesting, but it actually started for me. I'm from Ontario originally. I now live out on Vancouver Island in BC. And my former life was as a wedding and event coordinator. So oh. a lot of people know that about me, but that's what I used to do before I became kind of an entrepreneur. But I decided to leave that job for a myriad of reasons. And in the interim, took a year off and I decided to travel. So I was volunteering with a shark conservation project in Fiji. I've always been a pretty avid scuba diver, swimmer, taught you know uh, swimming lessons growing up, that kind of thing. So the water has always been something that's really fascinated me and been close to my heart. Mm-hmm. So when I was on this trip, I really wanted to give back. And so again, volunteering with this shark conservation project, we were doing a lot of diving and we were also learning a lot about the major problem of plastic in the ocean. And for me, that was a really big eye opener. I think everybody kind of knows on some level that we're doing things that aren't mm-hmm. that planet, but there's always that moment where you see something like up close or firsthand, and it just seems so much more real or tangible and like personal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so learning about sort of the permanence of what we're doing with the ocean and the amount of plastic that was ending up there on that project uh, mm-hmm. was really eye-opening for me. It was also very overwhelming. <laughs> I didn't yeah. really know what to do about it per se. So at that time, I just sort of decided that you know, I was, when I got back home from traveling, I was going to start learning more and implement some changes just in my own day-to-day living and and personal life. Mm -hmm. But as a secondary part of that trip, I then went to Australia 
And that's actually where I first learned what beeswax wraps were, kind of saw them and thought that was a really cool concept. Didn't really think anything more about it at the time. Didn't have an aha moment by any means (laughs) that I was going to go home and start a business. I just, I came home and noticed that my mom, when I was out visiting her, was using so much plastic wrap. I was like, mom, this is terrible. We need to do something about this. So I just decided I've always been kind of crafty growing up as a kid. I've always been good with my hands and like making things. Mm -hmm. Uh, So just decided that I was going to try and make these things that I saw called beeswax wraps when I was back in Australia. And, you know, it ended up being a lot more difficult than I thought it was going to be. Um, (laughs) Kind of feel the way that they felt over there and work the way that I felt that they should work because they, you know, had very high standards and eventually just kind of figured it out on my own in in like a home kitchen and gave them to my mom. And then it kind of just took off from there. So you gave them to your mom and then when did it become a business? Like, was it your mom got these and just loved them and that was your moment? So she loved them and I hadn't really thought much more about it beyond that other than by the time I had ordered in and gotten my hands on all of the ingredients to maybe make three or four, mm-hmm. I had enough ingredients to actually make like 50. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't need 50 and my mom doesn't need 50. So, I mean, I don't want to waste them. That's the whole point of, you know, trying to be more eco-friendly is wasting less. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, I'll make of them. And I'd also been part of our local farmer's market association for quite a while. So decided to just bring them with me to a farmer's market to sell. And I thought, well, this was a pretty small town in Ontario and, you know, zero waste hadn't really become a trend or something that was quite popular yet. What town are you Um, from? I do know Lindsay, Ontario. I do. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm actually grew up from an even smaller hamlet just outside of that, but that's where I went to high school and that kind of thing. So I was in Lindsay, Ontario and was thinking, you know, I don't know how popular something like this is going to be here, but I'll bring them to the local farmer's market and we'll just, you know, we'll see, we'll spend the day. And I think I sold out within the first like two hours. Wow. Um, I thought, Oh, that was the moment I was like, this is a thing this could actually be a business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> people, people want them. And I kept thinking, I, I already had plans to move out to the West Coast. And I kept thinking, well, if they're popular here, they're definitely going to be popular when I get to Vancouver Island. Mm-hmm. How long ago was this? This was about three years ago, uh, maybe more, three and a half, probably uh, going on four. Yeah. So, so did, years ago now. did you immediately kind of quit your job and throw yourself into it or? So I was in the unique position of having already left my job to go travel. <laughs> um, so at the time, I actually okay. didn't have a job. So what I decided to do was apply for a couple of farmers markets on Vancouver Island. Yeah. So I actually applied for the markets when I was still living in Ontario. I hadn't oh. even, I knew I wanted to move out West, but didn't really know what that was going to look like. Again, was in the unique position of having already left my full-time job, <laughs> you know, something everybody is not always in that kind of position. Were you planning on going back to it? It was the kind of job that I knew would always, we had such a good relationship and I loved working there. And I knew that it would always be there if I needed it. Mm-hmm. But I didn't really want to be living in Ontario and I really just wanted to do something else. Um, at this point in time, I didn't really know if the wraps were going to be something that was just a hobby that gave me some side income. That's what I was sort of thinking when I first moved out here. I thought, I'll apply for the farmer's markets. I did end up getting in. I thought, okay, well, that's where we're doing it. We're moving to Victoria. 
And I thought, well, at least this will give me some money to go do the fun things. You know, if I decide I want to travel some more or yeah. go out for dinners or, you know, have weekend road trips, then all this will be my fun money. That's sort of the way that I thought about, about the wraps when I first started making them and doing that out here. I did end up finding a different job online part-time that was able to sort of sustain me to have the, you know, my rent paid and my bills paid. And yeah. Those yeah. I did find something new to kind of look after that and take some of the pressure off of just starting a business and moving to a new province. So that was in May of 2017, I think, 17, 2016, three or four years ago now. And by October of that same year, I was ready to give up that other part-time job and start wow. full-time. So it accelerated very quickly after moving out here for sure. How did it, how did it grow so quickly? I think it was a couple of different factors. I think, like I said before, being on the West coast, people have a bit more of a tendency to lean, to be more eco-friendly, mm-hmm. more eco-friendly. I've found that the community in Victoria is also very supportive of local businesses. Wow. So going to things like the farmer's markets has a really good base and people are really, will kind of, you know, either drive out of their way or perhaps maybe spend the extra money to buy something that's local and they know is made with local ingredients as well. Mm-hmm. And even the entrepreneurial community, so not necessarily people that are, you know, buying from me, but the other people in this area that have also started businesses are also very supportive, which was something that I had not really experienced much anywhere else that I had lived before. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it can feel very competitive when there's a lot of different, you know, small business owners in the same space, even yes. if it's a related field. But for whatever reason here, those were the people that became my friends. And those were the people that, you know, we'd go for coffee and talk about our ideas and our goals and kind of, you know, keep each other inspired. And I find that even, you know, this, this much later, a few years later, those people are still some of my closest friends. And I still love having those conversations. And we're still able to inspire each other that way. So I think that that's something that's really special about being out here as well. Was there other products existing in the North American marketplace? So it's funny, because I think this maybe was me living a little bit of a sheltered life in Ontario, I didn't think that there was and then found out very quickly after moving to Victoria that there are some pretty major beeswax wrap companies that are actually located in Victoria which I thought was kind of funny. I was concerned at first when I had moved out, you know, especially being a new business, I thought I should have done research. I should have known these things and kind of, you know, thinking that I should have, you know, done some more market research. But I think what really sets Goldilocks apart and still does is the patterns that I choose. So this is the thing for, you know, I guess anybody who's not listening or doesn't know what they are, that's a big factor in what we do is trying to produce something that's practical, but also beautiful. Mm -hmm. you're more likely to incorporate something that you enjoy using into your everyday life. Yes. That is aesthetically pleasing. My background actually, even before doing weddings is I have a degree in art history. So I'm a very visual person. Ah. (laughs) Graphic design studio for a period of time. So it's funny when I look back at the history of my life, I think, well, I had no idea what I was going to do with that degree or doing different things, but all the pieces connect so seamlessly when I look at it back in hindsight. Mm-hmm. Now. Isn't that funny? Yeah. So then you got to the, the point where it starts really taking off and accelerating. So then what did you do from there? Did you have to take on an investor? Yeah, at this point in sort of that time frame, you know, that May to October, things are taking off. I was having a hard time keeping up with, it was just me making things in my apartment, having a hard time, you know, selling out 
every weekend at markets. Again, a good problem to have if you're a business. <laughs> So a, a problem, you know, you want to be able to, if there's more people that want to buy your product, you want to be able to put it in their hands. So was starting to get a little more stressed about it and ended up st- kind of stumbling quite literally almost across who is now my business partner. <laughs> I was being shown an apartment that I was going to be moving into and it happened to be his apartment and his roommate didn't tell him that we were coming to view the apartment that day. So he just happened to be home. Oh the rest of we would have ever met. And then he came down to a market a few weeks later because we had gotten chatting when I was viewing the apartment. And then we basically became like the best of friends right away. And then, yeah, one day we started, I had him in and I had him help me make some wraps. He kind of owed me a favor for some work that I'd done at his place. And we got, to, we got to- talking. And at the beginning of the day, you know, we were talking and kind of joking about working together. And then I'd say by the end of the day, it was, we a very serious, legitimate conversation about, no, I think that this could actually be a really good fit. Mm. He's really great at all of the things that I'm really terrible at and vice versa. So being able to grow and expand the business, he played a really big role in that because I didn't know a lot of people moving out here. I still didn't know a ton of people quite yet. Yeah. Um, just having somebody to lean on and a partner in that way that you know you can bounce ideas off of and when you're stressed, you can call them. And there's a lot of the emotional side of having a business partner to me is just as important mm-hmm. as I think the the roles and responsibilities of having a business partner mm-hmm. take on and the workload. And did he yeah. have a background in entrepreneurship? He did. He, he did and he didn't. He had, hadn't, he, yes. Yeah. So he's kind of grown a couple of his own businesses. He very much had a lot of his jobs in the past were what I would consider to be a bit more alternative, very much like self-started, that kind of thing. He'd never grown a business to the scale that we're at right now, but he's very analytical and very sort of like more finance oriented and those kinds of things. And I'm more of like the visual side and the creative. I always joke that in a nutshell, if somebody wants our job descriptions is he makes sure that, you know, the business is running and I make sure that everything looks nice. <laughs> so like, you know, two-liner. Both important. That's <laughs> yeah, so what we both take care of and yeah, it's definitely been a very special partnership, I think, because we do work so well together. And so it's just everything has happened so seamlessly in that way. And so now you have a team that works for you. Absolutely. So now, yeah, we take it even a step further and we've got an entire team here, which is so crazy for me to even think about. <laughs> we have a separate space, first of all. We're not making wraps in my apartment anymore. <laughs> commercial space that we're in. And then we've got a team. It kind of fluctuates depending on the time of year, but there's a team of between 10 to 15 people that are working for us now. And you make everything there. And we make everything here in Victoria still. So wow. Yeah, by hand, we're still cutting everything by hand, still waxing everything by hand. And it's a very <sighs> labor intensive process, but it's a labor of love. <laughs> so where is it? Is it mainly sold online? So we have actually online through our website, but we also do have quite a few retailers as well. So there's a lot of stores. A lot of the stores right now are mostly in Canada. Mm-hmm. Slowly expanding into a few smaller stores in the U.S. and then hoping to maybe pick up a few bigger ones this year. How do they usually find you? I honestly am not always entirely sure. <laughs> <laughs> we recently got our wraps into Chapters Indigo, which was wow! Congratulations! Um, thanks. And we still haven't gotten the full store. They reached out to us, which was great. I had a lot of messages from people asking, you know, how did you get your stuff into into Indigo? And I always feel a little bit bad, being like, well, I don't. They just sent us an email. <laughs> you know? 
really do anything. Um, and so we still haven't gotten the full story of how they came across us. Most of the time it's online through our Instagram has been really huge for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, either or like in a store kind of, you know, you were talking about earlier, maybe that's how you kind of came across us was in a store. And then having that follow up through Instagram. And I think I, to be honest, I'm really proud of our Instagram. I look after that. Oh, you do? Yeah. Yeah, that's all me. And again, I like things that just look nice and have a good feel about them. And I think that people resonate with that as well. Mm -hmm. And so you think that that a lot of the imagery is that that's how you amass the following that you have? Yeah, it's been, I think, a combination of, you know, having that great imagery and then also, you know, being able to kind of relay our story of, you know, how Goldilocks mm. started and everything that we stand for and being what really wanting to create a community. I know that that's a big goal of mine with Instagram specifically is wanting to feel like that's a place where people can come and ask questions about zero waste living and, you know, not being worried that there's too much pressure or everybody has to be perfect. It's very much a place of here's something I'm struggling with. How does anybody else have an idea of how we can help tackle this problem together? And that's more the feel that I want to go along with it. But again, yeah, I love doing the creative photo shoots. And we also got the attention through a friend of a pretty major influencer here in Canada, Jillian Harris, if you know who she is. Okay, yeah, I know who that is. Once she started using our wraps too, she has a pretty avid following. So then that helped grow things as well. And I think because... Isn't that funny? One influencer can help. One person. It's amazing how that domino effect can happen so quickly. And and again, I think because the products themselves are so beautiful, it lends itself very easily to people wanting to take photos and to share that with friends. So then it's just been this kind of word of mouth snowball effect that's kind of going from there. Mm -hmm. Did you pay for any influencer marketing? We haven't yet. Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah, the meeting, I still haven't met Jillian herself. My business partner got to because that's when he dropped off the wraps. But that was through some connections that we had here already. And again, it was it was one of those almost serendipitous moments like when I met my business partner where we just happened to be in the right place at the right time. And again, looking back on that story, it was, you know, a few things in place, or if a few things weren't already in place that we may not have ended up coming across this person, and that may have never happened. And I was reading an article recently, I think it might have even been in a book, just about how when you're really in alignment with your purpose and being authentic, that those things that you know you used to consider maybe like luck, are actually just sort of the universe showing up for you because like you're following the path that you should be. And I thought that that was such, that resonated with me a lot because I feel mm-hmm. like with the business, that's something that's happened a lot in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Showing up and being open to it mm-hmm. is such a big part of it. So when people come to you and they ask you, what are, what are the first steps to zero waste living? What do you usually tell them? So this is a tough one, but also it's it's strangely easy and difficult at the same time. <laughs> People have a tendency to overthink things. So my first piece of advice when someone's trying to be more environmentally friendly is A, to just start being more aware, hmm. to start paying attention. You don't have to necessarily do anything right away. You don't need to overhaul your life and throw a bunch of things out. In the end, that's actually more wasteful. Yeah. <laughs> but just paying attention. 
So, you know, if you're at the grocery store, start paying attention to all of the things that are wrapped in plastic. Or, you know, if you're out for dinner, say, with your friends, paying attention to what it is that they put your leftovers in, those kinds of things. And then choosing one thing that you are going to change. And so it can be, you know, a lot of people start with things like bringing your own bags to the grocery store bringing a reusable coffee cup, a reusable water bottle, those kinds of things are often very easy, simple things to just start with. You know, beeswax wraps, I think are a great one as well. Absolutely. But something that you then implement into your daily life to a point where you do it without thinking about it. The wraps are a great example of this. Start using like, say, our beeswax wraps until it's no longer a conscious sort of choice. It's just something that that's what you do. You use beeswax wraps. That's part of, you know, when you have a half an apple, you cover it, you cover it with the wraps. You're not thinking about using saran wrap or other alternatives. It's just your natural go-to and you're kind of on autopilot. And then at that point, add something else in. And then just kind of do that and repeat until you're, you know, just slowly building up your repertoire of things that you're implementing, excuse me, implementing that are more eco-friendly. And then it doesn't become so daunting. It doesn't become. Mm -hmm. Will you expand outside of the wraps? It's funny you say that because we've talked about it quite a lot. And yes, I do think that we will. I have a couple things in mind already. We're probably going to be testing out maybe doing some like produce bags. So like when you're going to the grocery store, rather than taking those like plastic bags to put like your you know, yeah. things like that in, making, you know, corresponding prints with our wraps that aren't wax, they would just be plain fabric. Um, and you can bring those with you is something that I think we're probably going to test out this year and see if people are interested. I have the fabric. I might as well. I've really got nothing to lose by doing it. That's yeah. Demand for them. Then we'll keep making them. I'd love one of those. Then we won't, you know, so there's some more in-depth things that I would love to do, but I just haven't had the time because just keeping the beeswax wraps up and running <laughs> a full-time job, obviously. So one day, yeah, I'd like to continue doing more and more though. So as an entrepreneur, do you integrate sustainability in the business itself? That's something that is very talked about lately. Even today, I read an article in Forbes about it. Yeah, about sustainability within yeah business practices. So, I mean, that's always been, I think, a very natural integration for us from the beginning because we are a zero waste company mm-hmm. um, so like whenever we have to order our ingredients online you know they're being sure that we order them online then they're usually shipped from different parts of Canada or the US you know asking them not to use plastic if possible I know it sounds something very basic but it can be kind of a big tipping point for other manufacturers on their end to start mm-hmm. them think about, oh, maybe there's other ways that we don't have to use plastic, or is it really necessary to use, to wrap this kind of thing in plastic? Um, so sort of starting with that supply chain a little bit farther up. Of course, we have our staff, you know, we kind of have general office rules and you know, have reusable water bottle, have reusable coffee mug, you know, having not having people bring those things into our space and really wanting them to live that kind of lifestyle and learn about it and, and start implementing those things in, in their life as well. And then mm-hmm. all the ingredients, like all of our beeswax is local. That's a huge thing for us being able to source locally and sustainably and be able to work with those apiaries that we get our wax from is huge for us as well. Yeah. And I think that, you know, sustainability done right doesn't cost more. It usually pays more. You know, you usually make better profits and you save money in the long run for a lot of the the things. I think it's, there's a lot of like easy things to start with, like going paperless or, you know, yeah, investing in renewables. 
Yeah, I think going paperless is funny because for me, that's just, it was something, honestly, I didn't even really think about. <laughs> it wasn't really right? nice to go paperless. It was just, I still, every once in a while, will get an email from somebody saying, can you fax this? And I always, yeah. I'm like, well, I don't have a printer and I very much don't have a fax machine. <laughs> It's 2020. We don't have a fax. <laughs> it's easier to be able to do those kinds of things. But I forget that there are larger companies or just different businesses in a different sort of world, but that's not their day-to-day life. And it is a big deal to implement that. So having to remind myself that, you know, we are doing pretty well with those kinds of things. I think the older generation really, really struggles with it a lot more than, than ours, just because it's so new to them. Whereas we've grown up more so immersed in it and learning about it and very much more exposed to it than they are. Yeah, absolutely. And it's much more of making a shift. Yeah. Like when you've been using a fax machine for 40 years and then all of a sudden it's like, no, you don't use this anymore. Yeah. How do you, and then teaching somebody the new technology to be able to replace that can sometimes be difficult too. If, if somebody has been there for a really long time, it's just, it's, a, it's a definitely a shift for sure. Mm-hmm. And you were going to give your top tips to an entrepreneur you know, other than the ones I mentioned for integrating sustainability more deeply into a company's overall strategy, what would you say? I think the first thing that needs to happen is an audit is sort of what we call it. Uh, So it's sort of what I was talking about, even with when you're doing it personally, but taking stock of the things that you're doing so that you're Mm. aware most of the waste is coming from. Because if you don't know where it's coming from, it's great if you, you know, your staff are bringing in reusable water bottles, but if you're creating, you know, 30 pounds of garbage every day from some other source in your business, <laughs> that's probably going to be something that you want to start tackling first because that's really where the source of the problem is. So I think, you know, sitting down and taking a look at where a lot of that waste is coming from, something as simple as, do you have a compost? Do you have proper mm-hmm. recycling? Are you sorting everything the way that it needs to be? At the end of the day, I think a lot of recycling doesn't end up where it needs to be anyways. So I think the goal is to also eliminate recycling. But maybe that as a first step would be to implement those systems properly first and then just kind of, again, continue to keep adding that sort of next level. It's so different because I think it depends what your business is. So for us, because we're in manufacturing, there's a lot of different (laughs) things that we have to take into consideration. Mm But yeah, for offices, even if you know if you have to have a printer, maybe purchase one. I love the new eco-friendly ones that I've seen come out where you're purchasing things in bulk as opposed to using the cartridges all the time. Again, yes. it's not perfect, but it's better. And I think that that sometimes needs to be the goal more than anything. Because I think that sometimes we, as humans, as businesses, you know, as individuals, don't take a step because we think that the step we need to take needs to be done perfectly. Mm-hmm. And that's not the case. It's so much better to just take the step and, you know, maybe fail or do it messily or not have it be the most, you know, maybe it's just one step closer to being eco-friendly. And that's still better than doing nothing. Absolutely. A hundred percent. I totally agree. So being, you know, a company that is built around being eco-friendly, do you find that you get a lot of critics? Like, do you have to watch sort of what you do all the time? I don't know if it's a pressure I put on myself. (laughs) I don't know if it's a real or a perceived pressure. (laughs) It's funny because I do feel like sometimes people maybe hold me to a bit of a higher standard of Mm -hmm. owning a zero waste company. And I do try to live a zero waste lifestyle, but again, nobody's perfect. And I have had moments where, you know, 
do forget your reusable coffee cup. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> and I get anxiety about walking oh downtown with <laughs> a paper cup. And <laughs> it kind of stresses me out sometimes doing that. We're going grocery shopping oh and gosh. purchasing something that does come in in plastic that, you know, I do once in a while, but not all the time. And But I'd say for the most part, everybody's very supportive. We don't get a lot of, um, you know, Instagram trolls or, you know, I've never actually had someone come up to me and say anything negative. I think it's, again, it's a lot of it's in my head. And as a whole, everybody's just really supportive. And I think that anybody that's trying to be a little bit more aware and be more conscious about what they're doing is kind of happy to be in it together and Mm -hmm. know that we're all doing our best. Are you a vegetarian? I am not yet. I don't eat a lot of meat. Mm-hmm. Um, just more, honestly, a lot of the time because I don't enjoy cooking it. <laughs> but And because of the packaging and things I struggle with quite a bit, I will eat it when I'm out or when I'm at friends' houses. Um, mm-hmm. so I eat a more plant-based lifestyle, but I wouldn't consider myself like a full vegetarian. It's hard. Mm-hmm. It's something that I've struggled with my whole life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, sometimes I do have those cravings. It doesn't happen very often, but I still want to try and listen to my body and feel good and feel healthy, but to take those steps where I can, I think for me, I'm just a bit more flexible about it. And I support anybody who's not flexible about it as much as I can as well. So, Have you thought about doing a vegan alternative to beeswax? I have, and I do get asked that every once in a while. And there's a few reasons why I don't think that that would be in our near future anyways, is so far with the regular, just straight, like with the beeswax, we've had a such a demand that kind of splitting that right now doesn't make sense from a business perspective, but also beeswax or beeswax itself, sorry, has a naturally antibacterial properties, antimicrobial. So when you're using it on something like food, for me, it just makes the most sense in terms of food preservation Mm. as well, because it's actually keeping your food fresh for longer. It's helping it from going moldy as quickly. And so when you're talking about a food waste perspective as well, to me, that's really a valuable component of Mm -hmm. the And then the sort of third part of that is also, like I said, having worked really closely with the woman that we get all of our beeswax from and having many conversations with her about it. At the end of the day, and I feel like not everybody will agree with this standpoint, it's very much an opinion that I have that's personal to me, Mm -hmm. uh, based on the conversations that I've had with her, is that I know that she really cares for and supports her bees and her hives. At the end of the day, that's her livelihood, and she wants them to do well. She wants them to thrive. It's actually not in her best interest to not have that be the case. And that by supporting and buying these products that are supporting our local apiaries, it's also helping the bee population in the long run. I know a lot of people, I do will get comments every once in a while on Instagram from people who say, you know, leave the bees alone, bring <laughs> population, you know, don't, don't take things from them. And I agree that bees are very much, this is, it's actually a very serious problem that their populations are declining so quickly. But from the research that I've done, and again, the conversations that I've had with people, a lot of that actually pretty much all of it stems from our agricultural practices. It actually has nothing to do with whether or not we're keeping bees or not. The reason that the bees are, one of the main reasons that bees are struggling to survive is because they're having to fly so far to find their food sources. Because oh, of the type wow. Of planting for agriculture on such a mass scale, 
it's just made, that's why one of the suggestions is often to plant wildflowers in your backyard yes. or those kinds of things. Because when we're taking out these very large acreages for industrial farming, it's making it much harder for the bees to find food because that land is then being used for you know very specific things that aren't necessarily what they feed on. So by supporting these apiaries, in my opinion, you're actually helping the bee population to survive because they are having a little bit of you know human intervention, a little bit of support. Mm-hmm kinds of things, you know, in the long run, in an ideal world, I think it would be great if, you know, they were able to survive without human intervention right now. But I think that they do need a little bit of help from us. And in my opinion, that kind of system is is cyclical where, you know, the, the bees are helping us and then we're helping them. And I think that that is a very great relationship. So that's how I feel about beeswax. And I think that everything that they do is great. And anything I can do to support the beekeepers is something I want to continue to do. Yeah. One of the companies that I founded a few years ago is it's called True Glue and it's all natural lash adhesive. So came across it just out of necessity. One of the companies that I own is an event staffing agency and modeling agency. And one of the uh, staff had an allergic reaction to the lash glue. And anyways, it sent me on this journey to find a natural version. And I was wearing lashes all the time. So I wanted something as well. But one of the main ingredients was beeswax that I used when I was developing it. And yeah, and because of the antimicrobial qualities to it, it was perfect because I wanted to have no preservatives in the glue. Mm -hmm. But we did have people wanting a vegan alternative. So that's been something that we've been working on as well to add to the skews. But something that somebody had suggested recently was CBD. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. They were saying that it has some similar qualities. So I thought that was really interesting. That is interesting. I wouldn't have, I guess it's such a new (laughs) product. Yeah, that it's been so, you know, the really thought about anything like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that would be, you'd have to get I don't know how that would work if you're putting it on food. (laughs) This is true. If it's like, I mean, you're not consuming the wrap, but you know. Yeah, it would, I'm sure, be absorbing some of it. Yeah, just that might be a bit different. (laughs) Its own niche. Maybe you just helped us develop our next product. There you go. Right. (laughs) Midday apple. Yeah. CBD infused apple. And <laughs> I think that that would go off really well on the West Coast. <laughs> yeah, probably would actually. <laughs> yeah. It's mind blowing to me that there hasn't been an alternative developed to the plastic lining in the cups. I mean, yes. there's like something. Cups and things like yeah, that. like why isn't there, you know, like a cellulose lining or even a beeswax lining where they can just Our... compost it after? And also because the plastic's leaching into your hot drink. Exactly. Yeah. Anything that is going to be heated, that's what blows my mind sometimes is, you know, especially if you're applying heat, it's basically leaching into whatever it is that it's holding. It, for, that freaks me out. I try to avoid plastic for that reason with anything with my with my food and my drinks. Yeah, exactly. I actually have an article on our blog that a nutritionist, or, no, she's a, she's a naturopathic doctor actually, mm-hmm. who wrote an article about basically, yeah, how much plastic's like being absorbed into our bodies and the problems that it causes and things like that. And it's, yeah, it's mind blowing. It really freaks me out. And that's why I, that's what I first, yeah, was led to Goldilocks. And my mom had seen them in, in the store in my hometown, Stratford. And she said, you've got to come check this out. You're going to love these things. I came across it. So yeah, she's very eco-friendly too. And very, very much into finding new ways to save the environment. And she's she's very cute. She's got all the milkweeds for the butterflies all around her house. And she has all the wildflowers for the bees. And that's perfect. (laughs) It's also become 
bit more, there's been a lot more awareness, I'd say, especially in the last year, like throughout 2019. Mm-hmm. even with our business you know going because we still do farmers markets and things like that locally as well and the first few years was people coming up to the booth saying well what is this are these stockings because I think the prints are so cute mm-hmm. they well, can't be something that you're using on food they think that it's some kind of clothing mm-hmm. and then this past year specifically there was a big shift and it was more people coming up and being like oh are these beeswax wraps tell me more about it or I've seen them online but I haven't actually been able to touch them in person uh-huh. So there was definitely a big shift, I think, this year where people as a whole are kind of, you know, starting to learn about alternatives and being a little bit more, you know, green minded and those kinds of things. I was surprised once I felt it. I was really surprised because I'd never felt one before this, that how sticky and how much it actually worked. Yeah. And that was a big thing for me, even back when I was just making them for my mom and, you know, the kitchen by myself was if I could... I admittedly am a lazy person. <laughs> I feel like so are a lot of other people. And Same here. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not ashamed to admit that. But I think that if you have a product that is asking people to sort of change their habits, it needs to work at least as well as whatever it is replacing. Because if it doesn't, if you are going to have to take an elastic out and put it around the bowl on top of having to like, you know, get this beeswax wrap, then you're probably going to be less inclined to use it regularly. I really wanted it to be something that functioned like a plastic wrap that you can, cover. Mm-hmm. you know, it'll stick to a bowl with the heat of your hands without any other kind of like, you know, additional thing to keep it on there. You can fold it into like Ziploc bag replacements and things like that. And so that was really important to me when, when figuring out the ratio of all the ingredients. And it's definitely paid off. I'd say that our reviews that we get online or feedback that I get at markets or in person from people is very consistently that they're you know the best beeswax wraps that they've tried, that mm-hmm. they the best, that they work the best. And then, of course, it's an added bonus that they also love the prints as well. I think that's a really great aspect that you started working the farmer's market because then you could get that feedback from your consumers firsthand yeah. when building it. Yeah. And I think that that was huge. And also just creating that sense of community and yeah, feedback from people about, you know, what sizes or what they're using them for, what they liked about them, what they didn't like about them. I was always waiting for somebody to come up to the booth with like a bad review and it kind of never happened. <laughs> My business partner at one point was like, can you tell me something bad? Because like, we're actually trying to improve. We really want oh my like, goodness. critical feedback. <laughs> and they're like, funny? oh, they're great. We love them. Keep doing what you're doing. It was just like, Okay. (laughs) So did you, as an entrepreneur, has the journey been what you would have expected an entrepreneur to go through? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Because I know when I first started, I expected it to be something totally different. I mean, it's it's over 10 years now. I mean, at the beginning, I expected it to be this easy ride. And it's been insane ups and downs and all over the place, but I wouldn't change it for the world. And yeah. it's been my greatest love and passion. It just, I could have never pictured what it is. Yeah. It's been, I, this is, I mean, I've had, like I said, sort of hobbies that I've always done on the side of another job in the past. This is the first business that I've built. And I don't think you can ever be prepared <laughs> <laughs> All of the things that are going to happen. All of the things. Yeah, I can't even, it's like trying to summarize a year, let alone like a day. And I think that that, I wasn't prepared for the, I knew that it was going to be difficult. Obviously, you know, 
you're kind of going out on a limb and I was prepared to sort of make some of those financial sacrifices in the beginning, Mm -hmm. you know, giving up your time. And I I was, I was ready for all of those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. I don't think I was ready or expecting like even just the number of ups and downs that you can experience emotionally in a day, (laughs) you know, that are directly related to your business and having it still be a bit of a roller coaster, even once you do feel like you're established and you, you know, you think you know what you're doing and Mm -hmm. then something kind of smacks you in the face and you're like, well, never mind. Let's learn how to do this all over again. (laughs) You know, not, I didn't expect it to be completely linear, but it's definitely a lot less linear than I think I had expected it. (laughs) A hundred percent. So now where can people find more information about you and Goldilocks? Yeah. So our, our website's probably the easiest thing. It's goldilocksraps.com or our Instagram. Like I said, it's one of our biggest sort of uh, ways that you can sort of learn about what we're up to and some behind the scenes. And that's just Goldilocks Wraps. One last question before I let you go. Why Goldilocks? Oh, this is such a good one. I'm glad you saved it until the end. (laughs) So most people think that it's because I have long blonde hair, which is fitting. My business partner does call me Goldie. (laughs) I will respond to Goldilocks if most people don't remember (laughs) my first name. But it's actually the idea of balance. So the Goldilocks story and the not too hot, not too cold. I really like that idea of when you're like what I was talking about earlier, when you're starting out on a zero waste journey, that you really need to find a level of balance that's sustainable in the long term. Because if you go kind of too far, and too extreme, you're probably just going to give up and not bother and you know not do anything. And you know it's still worth giving it a go to try it out. So kind of walking that middle line of the mm. not too hot, the Goldilocks rule, as they call it. Mm-hmm. And then the secondary part of that is that we're actually located in what scientists refer to as the Goldilocks zone. So we're not too far wow. and we're not too close to the sun. It's the perfect balance for fostering life. Wow. Yeah, those things combined were very appropriate. <laughs> Very serendipitous. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much for chatting with me and sharing all your tips and your story. It was so great to chat with you. Yes, absolutely. Thank you again so much for having me. 